I'm Carson Horn, and it's Monday at 10, which means it's time for Talking Tumors on Weagle 91.1. So grab your toilet paper and let's get rolling. Um, we are still not as good as they think we are. I mean, right now, we're not. We're better than they thought we were. Um, we'll just see. We'll just see how the play. We'll just keep playing it out. Bruce Pearl tried to warn you, but were you listening? That was Bruce Pearl after the old Miss game talking about his Auburn basketball team. I'm Carson Horn. Thank you all for tuning in to Talking Tumors today. We've got plenty to break down. We're going to try to make sense of what this past week was for Auburn basketball. We'll go into the issues. We'll dive into it all. We've also got to talk more Auburn football. What players could have the biggest impact in their freshman seasons at Auburn? We'll talk about that. So let's not waste any more time, though. Let's start with Auburn basketball. Many of you have asked, many of you are thinking, what happened this past week? The short answer is Auburn played two tough teams on the road and they lost both. If you just watch Auburn basketball, if you don't watch college basketball as a whole, and I know many watch some but not a ton, then you may think, well, good grief, how does this? How did this happen? Well, let me tell you something. This is not uncommon for anyone in college basketball, and it's not uncommon for even the top teams in college basketball. The only team in the top 10 rankings of the uh, net rankings in college basketball, the top analytics that are used for the NCAA tournament, the only team that has not lost on the road so far this season is North Carolina. North Carolina played a tough non-conference schedule. The ACC overall, though, is fairly weak this year. North Carolina's only losses have come on neutral floors. As for the Every other team besides Tennessee, Alabama, and UConn have all lost two conference road games. Tennessee and Alabama have both lost a road game in conference play so far, but they have lost road road games, multiple road games they lost in non-conference. So, two things can be true. Auburn has issues that they need to address. Yes, at the same time, Auburn is not in any different situation than other top teams in college basketball, which I still believe Auburn is. Are they a top 10 team currently? Probably not. Are they still a good team? Are they still a team that can be special, that can really make some noise down the road, that still has a chance to compete and win the SEC? Absolutely. Nothing has changed from that regard. We said last week on the show, we'll find out. I was trying to look at issues and trying to get ahead of some things that I thought could come up and could cause Auburn some issues last week on the show. But I said this week we would really find out, okay, what what are some problems that we just haven't noticed yet because of playing at home, because of the competition level. We will find out. Some of the things that I said last week, I talked about half-court offense being a a bit of a concern. I think you could see that that was a bigger issue Um, this week. Shooting, obviously we're going to dive in to all of that. So those, those issues... We, we were able to, to get a better feel for after this past week. But I will say Auburn only lost both of these games by a combined 10 points. They had their chances. Had their chance against Alabama. That game came down to the wire. Was down 14 points at halftime, Auburn was. Came back, took the lead in the second half. Just was not able to, to finish it in the end. Unfortunately, that has been... 
a theme for Auburn these last two seasons, at least under Bruce Pearl. Now, last year's team, again, very much different from this year's team. However, Auburn seems to struggle in close games that come down to the very end. And that's something that I think Bruce Pearl has to own, and I think he does, and that's something that has to improve. This team needs to to win a game at the very end. They need that confidence boost, I think. They've dominated a lot of teams, but now that you lost two games uh, so far, you go back to the Baylor game, that's three games that you've lost this season and that have come down to the wire, and you just weren't able to make the, the, the plays and make the shots in the end, get stops in the end, get rebounds in the end to win those games. That's something Auburn needs to win a close game, I think, to build some of that confidence. But you have the chance against Alabama to be down 14 on the road against an offensive team as good as Alabama is, and to be able to come back and be able to take the lead was really impressive. Just, again, not able to make enough shots fall, not able to get some key rebounds that you needed. Auburn played a rough first half defensively against Alabama, played much better in the second half, and overall, but just wasn't enough to overcome such a big deficit that they built for themselves. Against Mississippi State, just an ugly game. You talk, I was mentioning last year's team. That's what it felt like watching that game. It felt like a throwback to last season. Just brutal, brutal offense by both teams in the first half. It was 21-21 to at halftime. Auburn played better offensively in the second half, but not as well as Mississippi State played offensively. They got hot. Josh, Josh Hubbard, fantastic uh, freshman point guard for them, made a couple of tough threes, gave Mississippi State some life, gave them some momentum. They shot around 60% from the field in the second half. That ended up being the difference in that game. But still, Auburn had their chances to win, weren't able to. So, you went 0-2. We knew knew that was going to be a possibility going into this week. I didn't expect it. I thought Auburn was split. I was leaning more towards losing in Tuscaloosa and winning at Mississippi State. It didn't happen, though. Is it a killer moving forward? No, it is not. We'll talk about later in the show about what's to come this upcoming week for Auburn. It's not a killer for your for your hopes in the analytics, nothing has changed for Auburn. They are still a top 10 team in every single analytics that you look at. Yes, they'll fall a probably maybe fall out of the top 25, maybe not. We'll see today in the AP poll. But as far as the analytics go, nothing has hurt Auburn. It's just been missed opportunities. You had two quad one win opportunities and you didn't get them. That's the most painful thing. That will matter come selection Sunday. Auburn is 0-3 right now in quad one games. They haven't had a ton of opportunities. You had two this week, weren't able to capitalize. So more of a missed opportunity than as far as uh, than it is hurting your chances as far as seeding goes for the NCAA tournament. It does hurt you in the SEC race to have two losses, six games or seven games into conference play. It absolutely does hurt you in that regard, but you're not out of it by any stretch of the imagination. Kentucky still has two losses. Bama and Tennessee both have one at the moment. They're going to have more. I have no doubt about that. Auburn margin for error is just a little bit more thin moving forward if they want to win the SEC regular season title. So with all that being said, let's dive in now to the issues. It was similar in both games. It starts out the shooting. The shooting was 42% at Alabama, 20% from three, 34% and 25% respectively against Mississippi State. There's your problem. The road the road shooting was the main issue. There were other issues. We'll dive dive into that as well. But the shooting was the main problem on, on the road. Auburn 
has proven the ability to shoot well on the road. They shot well on the road against Arkansas, but they did not shoot well against Mississippi State and against Alabama. That was the biggest issue. The defense, as I mentioned, was good at times, was poor at times. A poor second half of defense against Mississippi State, a poor first half of defense against Alabama. Overall, this is a better-than-I-thought defensive team for Auburn, and that is a good sign for the Tigers because the defense has traveled. The defense is what allowed Auburn to stay competitive in both of these games. Against Mississippi State, you had the issue of rebounding. That has been an issue at times for Auburn, and Mississippi State is a very physical, they're one of the best defensive teams in the country. Auburn knew that going into this game. They knew they were going to really have to be physical, especially with Tolu Smith in the paint. They were, I do think that played part of a role into why the rebounding, there's a minus 14 rebounding differential in that game because of the way Auburn defended Tolu Smith. Janai Broom, we'll talk more about him a little bit later on. He was on Tolu, but Auburn was trying to give help there with another guard. When that happened, if you give help, that opens up somebody on the backside for a rebound. That was part of the reason other times Auburn just got beat physically. But rebounding was an issue. It's not something I'm concerned with long term, but it is something that Auburn has to improve on moving forward. So Bruce Pearl was asked after the game about his about his team, what was the issue offensively for the team this week against Alabama and Mississippi State? And he gave an answer basically, basically about their execution. Here's a quote from Pearl. I mean, um, you know, some of it I think would be our execution. Um, our point guards have got to do a better job of playmaking. Um, and... Uh, um, you know, Chad Baker's been a real, real reliable playmaker. So our playmakers, I think, have got to do a better job. And our shooters are going to, you know, make a few more shots. And uh, that'll help. So there you go. There was the answer from Bruce Pearl. So what are the reasons, though, for this poor execution? He mentioned at the start the point guards. Aiden Holloway is struggling to shoot. This, this in SEC play. He going into the Mississippi State game, he was shooting 24% from three in SEC play. He's a true freshman. He was a five star McDonald's All American. He is going to be a phenomenal player. He is doing some things well. Shooting is not one of them at the moment. So that has to improve if Auburn wants to, if, if he can improve his shooting, it can take this Auburn team to another level. But besides that, him and Trey Donaldson both have to be able to create more. They have to be able to make more happen offensively. It felt like you are just getting a lot of dribbling around at the top of the key from both Donaldson and Aiden. They weren't able to make things happen. They weren't able to get the ball to the basket and create offensively for this team. The assist-to-turnover ratio for Aiden Holloway is still in the top 10 in the country. Again, very positive, but both point guards need to make more happen to get the offense flowing in the half court. It got very stagnant against both Alabama and Mississippi State. Your only offense against Alabama was Jani Broom. When Mississippi State was able to take away Broom a little bit more, really, really made offense hard for Auburn. So that that's where it starts. Everything starts with your point guard. They're the commander of your of your offense. So both Trey Donaldson and Aiden Holloway have to play better. If Aiden Holloway can start to shoot better, that'll make things flow um, 
altogether. But if he's not shooting, that means he has to create more by trying to get to the basket, get players out of position. And right now, he's not shown the ability to do that well. So that has to that has to improve. That's where it starts offensively. But also, Bruce Pearl mentioned playmakers. He mentioned Chad Baker Mazzara as being a playmaker for this team. He is someone who can create create offense. His jump shot, the way he's able to elevate, can really take this team to another level as well when he's creating on his own. The thing about it is, no, he hasn't shot the best here recently. He's turned the ball over too much, but he's also not taking enough shots, in my opinion. I realize he's only playing 20-ish minutes a game, but he's the last couple of games he's taken three, four, five, six shots. That's it. I think six was the most he's taken since LSU, where he took 10 and he had his biggest game he's had so far this season. He is a guy who can knock down shots, and when the offense is stalling, I believe he needs to be more aggressive. I think you'll see that moving forward, especially since Bruce Pearl called him out. Can he create more? Can he make more happen for this team moving forward? And then Jalen Williams. Jalen Williams has been phenomenal. He can be Auburn's best player when he wants to be. For whatever reason, the last two games, he has seemingly lost his, his confidence a little bit in himself. He hasn't shot the ball as well. Look, you're going to excuse some of that, especially one game when you've been as hot as he's been to play poorly. But two games, that becomes a little bit more of a concern. He's got to shake that off. He is too important of a piece for Auburn to, to not play well consistently. He has to get back to defining his rhythm. I thought when he got fouled a couple times early in the Mississippi State game, got to the free throw line, knocked down his free throws, I thought that helped him settle in, but for whatever reason, his confidence gets shaken way too easily. And if you're Bruce Pearl, I think an important thing, and he mentioned, I didn't pull the quote from from Pearl on this, but he mentioned that Jalen Williams is someone he probably needs to have a conversation with because there's no reason that Jalen Williams should be lacking in confidence. He should, his confidence should not be shaken so easily. And again, I don't know what's going on in his head. That's just a, a, ju- a judgment from, from, from watching the game. I was there in person, but and still, I don't know what's going through his mind. It just seemed like his confidence was rattled. And I think if you're Bruce Pearl, you got to go to Jalen Williams and got to say, look, man, you're, you're one of the best players in this league. And you you're, can be the best player on this team when you want to be. Don't let a few bad games shooting or a few, few bad shots mess up your confidence. Be confident in yourself. Go in there and keep taking shots, and you're, you're going to be just fine. But what can hurt you is when you lose that confidence, you're not confident in your, confident in your shot. You're not going to make it. So for, for Jalen Williams, he needs to, he, he's not an alpha male dominant type of personality. That is fine. That is completely okay. But believe in yourself. And I think a positive message is what Jalen Williams needs right now to get back on track. And I believe Bruce Pearl is the, the perfect person to give that to him. We've got to take our first break, but when we return, we'll keep diving into some of the issues and how Auburn can address them moving forward. So stay tuned to Talking Tumors on Weagle 91.1. So who's going to do what? The issues for Auburn also center around their guards. In college basketball, Guards take you where you're going to go. If you're going to win a national championship, you're going to win the SEC. If you're going to make a deep run in March, your guards have to be playing at a high level. This is a still a guard-dominant sport. Front courts are important, absolutely. And Auburn's strength, I still believe, in, is in their front court. 
their guards don't necessarily have to be the best in the country or even the best in the SEC with their front court, with Auburn's front court. However, Auburn's guards do have to be good if Auburn's going to make a, a deep run, have a chance at winning the SEC this season. They've shown the ability to do that, but right now, especially on the road these last two games, they have not played up to the level they're capable of playing at. And if they don't get back to that level, if they can't get to that level, especially on the road, away from Neville Arena, then Auburn won't make a deep run. They, they'll make it to the first round, maybe the second round again. But that, that potential to win the SEC, that ability to make a Sweet 16 in Elite Eight, a Final Four, won't be there. This is a an absolute must for Auburn to get their guards back playing at a high level. So here's Bruce Pearl's quote on Auburn shooting and on their guards in, in general. And then I'll uh, offer some uh, more thoughts on that. So here's the quote. We, we continue to struggle to shoot it on the road. And, I, and we continue to, unfortunately, take some of those same shots that we're just going to have to either make or put, or, or some of the guys just going to put it away uh, because um, it's hurting our offensive productivity when we're launching and missing like we are on the road. To be quite honest with you, which I mean I always am, I, w- I was stunned by this quote a little bit because as far as I know, and I'm, I've covered now Auburn basketball for, for two years since I've been here, last year's Auburn team was atrocious shooting. Absolutely horrible. But not once do I remember Bruce Pearl having a quote like that. And that's why it was a little bit surprising to me to hear him say that about a team who that does have shooters on it that just aren't shooting well currently. I, I was surprised. And he didn't call out anyone specifically I'll talk about players I think that he was he was thinking of when he said that here in a second, but but I was just surprised to hear him say that, I, and I think there's a couple of reasons for it, and I think the main reason is Bruce Pearl knows the potential of this team, He and last year's team he knew it was just going to be a struggle offensively, you're just going to have to have to deal with it and just have to hope that you have a hot, hot night shooting. I think that's why he did not say that last season. This year's team, he knows he has multiple scoring options, so, if certain guys aren't shooting well, stop. Stop shooting it. Stop forcing shots that aren't there. We've got other guys who can get better looks, that who, who can make shots. And so, I think that is the, the main reason for that quote. Bruce Pearl is always honest with the, with the media. He's hard on this team, harder than he was on last year's team, because he knows the potential of where this team can get to if they play at the level they're capable of playing at. And so, I think that's the reason for that quote. But the guards, specifically, you're, you're t- talking, I'm thinking about Denver, Denver Jones and Katie Johnson and Trey Donaldson and, and Aiden Holloway. They have to shoot better, but they also have to create more. KD's been the best at getting to the basket. He has not played well the last couple of games. He's really not shooting well. Shooting, I think, 27% from three at the moment. But he is one of your better shot creators. Denver does not do a great job of creating for himself. He has gotten better at that. He's gotten better at getting at the basket, but still not great at it. But at the same time, I think Auburn and Bruce Pearl and his staff can draw up more ways to get Denver Jones some shots. They've done it this year, but I think they can find better ways to get him open, to get him good looks, to be able to knock down uh, shots moving, moving forward for this team. Who do I specifically think Bruce Pearl is pointing out? I think, one, it was KD. KD giveth and KD taketh away is another quote from Bruce Pearl. So far this season, KD has played the best he's played 
in his Auburn career. However, the last week or so, and even more than that, I think even more than these last two games, he has not been playing at the same level. And so him forcing up shots, forcing up contested threes is something he's done his whole career. But that's something that's not needed on this year's team. You've got guys who can make threes, so don't force them when they're not there, when you could possibly get a better look. And so I think KD has got to got to stop that a little bit, especially in transition um, when you're when you got an opportunity to push it and get better looks. And then second is Aiden Holloway. Aiden Holloway, I still believe, is a really good shooter. He's not shooting well right now. He is in a slump. Will he get out of it this year? I don't know. Maybe it's something that's just a part of his his freshman season, his acclimation to SEC play. I, I tend to believe he's going to turn it on at some point. You watch him shoot, and I know that you know. You say anybody can shoot on air. That's not true. Aiden Holloway shoots in, in, in warm-ups like none other. He is a good shooter. Good shooters have bad stretches, and he's going through one right now. I still have complete confidence he will get out of it. But for the moment, I do think Bruce Pearl is probably referring to him to a certain extent that, hey, maybe right now, let's not take that super deep three. Let's make sure we're only taking open looks. Let's make sure we're not forcing things because you're just not shooting at a high level at the moment. You get back shooting at a high level, okay, this is a different conversation. But where this team is at right now, let's maybe not force things if you're Hayden, Hayden Holloway. Again, that's my opinion. Uh, I was uh, in Starkville this weekend. I was sitting there at the postgame press conference. And again, I, I was surprised to hear that from Bruce Pearl, but I think it's an honest assessment, and I think he's completely on track with, with what he was saying there. As far as other issues go, turnovers were an issue in Tuscaloosa, not necessarily from the point guards. They struggled to create, struggled to get the offense flowing, as I mentioned earlier, but Chad baker Mazzara did not play well. His hands felt, looked like they had butter on them, and in Tuscaloosa really struggled fumbling it. There were some some, some ill-advised passes as well in, in both games. Turnovers have been an issue. They were an issue even, I believe, against uh, Ole Miss. And Auburn dominated that game. They still turned it over too much. That can't happen uh, moving forward. This, this offense is going to get back on track. Look, it was a top 10 uh, Kim Palm-adjusted offensive efficiency team. They're going to be fine. I, I Again, as I mentioned at the start, Two things can be true. One, you're playing on the road in college basketball. It is tough, tough to win on the road. And two, there can be concerns. Yes, there are concerns, but I'm not overly concerned, freaking out about anything right now regarding this basketball team and their offense. They've got to get back to shooting better. I believe they will. And eventually that will translate to on the road again. Again, they've shot well on the road before. They've got to do it again. And I, I think they can. Can they do it this upcoming Saturday? We'll talk about that a little bit later on in the show. But I think this team's going to be all right. I don't think there's any reason to freak out at the moment. I'm always going to be honest with you. I try to look at everything big picture, and big picture, I still still like this team. I still like the potential of this team. So enough negative. Let's talk about the positives. There weren't a ton from this week, but there were a few. I thought Janai Broom was phenomenal. And Bruce Pearl had a quote about him also. I, d- I didn't pull it to play. But when he talked about guys stepping up, he said Janai Broom was the only one who stepped up this week. And Chaney Johnson to a certain extent. But Janai Broom had 25 points at Alabama, 14 points at Mississippi State. 
And that was 14 points against Tolu Smith. He was 5 for 7. Bruce Pearl said after as well, he felt like he should have gotten Janai more looks because he was so efficient. I think Auburn just assumed, rightly so, because of who was going to be defending him in Tolu Smith, it was going to be hard to score at all down in the paint. But Auburn could have fed Broom more in this game. But nonetheless, he brought it. He played like an all-SEC and all-American uh, type of, of center this 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 past week. That's huge for Auburn. The problem was no one else showed up like he did. But that's what you need from your leaders. That's what you need from your best players. And Janai Broom brought that this week, so hat tip to him. Auburn's going to need that consistency moving forward on both ends. His his defense is something that gets nitpicked a lot, and it's been just justifiable because of his physicality, but he brought it against Mississippi State. That impressed me. He also played 34 minutes against Mississippi State because of Dylan Cardwell's foul issues and fouling out in that game. Very, very impressed by Janai Broom. So, yes, he was probably winded at the end of the game. He's only used to playing 20, 25 minutes a game to play 34 and to play at that level for 34 minutes. I, I think he deserves a lot of praise, and if he can keep that up, Auburn's going to be in a in a good spot, assuming the other players start to pick up their, their end of the bargain. I mentioned Chaney Johnson. He had six points in Mississippi State. You think, well, that's not a big deal. Well, he also played well at Alabama, rebounding, defense, shot blocking. He's showing that athleticism that Bruce Pearl talked about all offseason. Seems like he's starting to settle in a little bit, finding finding his comfort zone, adjusting to SEC play. There were high expectations for Chaney Johnson, and I think that might have been a little unfair to him coming from Division II, it was there was always going to be an adjustment period for him, but it seems like he's starting to settle in. He's starting to, to make a few shots, had a nice couple of pull-up jumpers against Mississippi State when the offense was really stagnant. That's good to see. He got some more minutes in there with the way Jalen Williams had been playing. So the positives weren't weren't a ton. There weren't a ton that, that we could get, get into, but Janai Broom and Chaney Johnson were certainly bright spots for this team. And again, I go back to the, the fact that despite playing terribly offensively in both games, you had a chance to win. And that is something that you can build on moving forward. This team was frustrated. Um, they were We were next to the locker room. You could hear some things being said that, that aren't appropriate for radio uh, after, after the game. This team is a close team. There is really good team chemistry. They want to win. They know that they have a chance to do something special, to compete for championships. They're going to be fine. They, they've got to settle down. They've got to relax, get back home on Wednesday night. We'll talk about that and then to Ole Miss. So we'll take our second break, but when we return, we'll shift gears to talking about Auburn football and some freshmen who I believe have a chance to make a significant impact moving forward. So we'll, we'll dive into all of that, give an update on the Auburn defense coordinator coaching search. And we will talk a little bit more about Auburn basketball to close out the show. So we're halfway through. Stay tuned to Talking Tumors on Weagle 91.1. Hi, I'm Matt Kenseth. You don't have to be a race car driver to know that life can be full of drama. Some of it you can't... Before we dive into Auburn's recruiting class and I start to break down the guys who I think could have the biggest impact... I did want to touch on the defensive coordinator situation. A week ago, I sat here, and it seemed like a hire was imminent. It seemed like it was going to be DJ Durkin. I mentioned him being the former 
Ole Miss and Texas A&M defense coordinator most recently. Um, he was let go a part of the Jimbo Fisher staff that was that was fired at A&M. And that was based on a report from Matt Zenitz of 24-7 Sports who reported that Auburn was targeting him. Usually when those tweets are sent out, usually that means something is happening fairly quickly, and so that was my assumption. That did not happen. The defense coordinator position is still open. Uh, Hugh Freeze talked to local media this past week, I think on Friday. He was speaking out of Alabama, uh, FC, I think Alabama FCA something or other, uh, speaking to Alabama high school head coaches. I'm not sure exactly what the event was. But he said he's still taking his time, still trying to figure out, um, paraphrasing of course, the, the, the defense coordinator position and wants to make the right hire. So it is surprising to, I think, a lot of people that a D.C. has not been hired at this point. It doesn't bother me It as far as recruiting goes. It's not hurting Auburn at all. The only thing that it's slowing down is possibly your install for spring practice. I'm not sure when that's going to begin. So that that's the only real issue is it slows down maybe some of that relationship building process and the install. But as far as it hurting you in any major way, I don't see that happening. I think it's far more important to for Hugh Freeze to take his time and to make sure he gets this hire right as far as culture goes, as far as X's and O's goes, as far as recruiting. All those things matter. So I'm okay with Hugh Freeze taking his time. I am surprised, though, that it has uh, drug out this long. It could still be DJ Durkin. It could be Chris Kiffin. It could be someone else. I I really don't know. I am, like I said, very surprised it's still going on. But that's where we're at for now. By the time you're listening to this podcast, he could have hired someone. It could still come at any minute, I believe, but as of 10.33 on Monday morning, no hire has been made at this moment. With that being said, I've been excited to talk about the the recruits, the signees in this class. I'll talk about the transfer portal guys as well. We've got weeks and weeks to break it down, so I'm splitting it up. I'm not spending too much time or on any one player, any one group of, a group of players I'm going to break all the high school recruits down into certain categories. I'll do the same with the transfer portal guys, and we'll we'll take it because we've got plenty of time until spring practice, so going to make plenty of segments out of this. With that being said, Auburn signed the number eight recruiting class in the country. Yes, there's still the official February signing day. Doesn't look like Auburn's going to sign anybody there. It looks like they are done. It's crazy how the game has changed where the December early signing period is really your signing day at this point. Not many players sign in February anymore, uh, at least at high-level programs. Most programs are done at this point, and it looks that way for Auburn. So with that being said, Auburn did an incredible job. Hugh Freeze, I talked about this uh, in an article. I talked about this off-air, but I wasn't on-air during signing day. Hugh Freeze did an incredible job signing the number 8 class. Did it cost you some on the field this season? It did, but I do think it will be worth it in the long run. We've already talked about how Freeze has got to do a better job this upcoming season balancing on-field results versus recruiting. Not going to rehash that. Auburn did a good job to get a top 10 class was much needed. So what players in this in this class do I think are going to have the biggest impact in year 1? I'm got it. I'm doing ranking it starting at number one all the way down. At number one, I've got Cam Coleman, the number five player in the country according to 24/7 Sports, the top player in the state of Alabama. An important note on this is this is the first time since the pre-Nick Saban era that Auburn signed the number one player in the state. 
just a remarkable stat. Very impressive job by by Nick Saban, of course. And Auburn has, ha- has had some really good signing classes during the Nick Saban era at Alabama. Malzahn had multiple. Gene Chizik had a, had a couple really impressive signing classes. But nonetheless, this was the first time Auburn signed the number one player in the state. So, great job. Even I think Clemson has signed the number one player in the state. I think Florida State did with Jameis, Jameis Winston. But Auburn had not up until this year. Cam Coleman's the guy I think is going to have the biggest impact in year one for a couple reasons. One, we know the receiver room needed vast, vast upgrades. Cam Coleman and Perry Thompson, who I'm about to talk about, are going to provide that for this room. So, one, there's a big opening that has to be filled. Hugh Freeze is depending on these true freshmen to come in and contribute immediately. I think Cam Coleman can do that. 6'3", 180, 185 range. He will be a outside receiver. I'm, I'm not sure if he'll play more on the, the X or the uh, uh, Z or the Y, but he will be on the outside. I like um, Cam Coleman a lot, like his potential a lot. His his highlights are absolutely incredible if you ever get a chance to watch them. So because of the the opening in that room and the, the expectation that Hugh Freeze has for these receivers to come in and to probably start immediately, as well as Cam Coleman being already being an early enrollee. He's already on campus working out. That's why I think he'll have the biggest impact. And I've got Perry Thompson at number two. There's some that believe Perry might be a better receiver than Cam. Similar build. Perry a little bit uh, higher on the weight side. Also 6'3". He's 205. A little bit more physical. There's some that believe that he could be the better of the two. I think both are going to contribute big time. I just put Cam Coleman at number one simply because he enrolled in January, so he's going to be able to go through spring practice, whereas Perry Thompson won't be able to. So therefore, I've got Perry at number two, but both, I believe, good chance both will start. If they don't both start, I do believe they'll both be major contributors for this team this uh, upcoming season. Let me say this about Perry Thompson. That recruitment was huge. To be able to to flip him from Alabama, from Nick Saban at the time, who was obviously still the head coach there, and to be able to hold on. Bama did not stop recruiting him. Auburn had to recruit him all the way down to signing day. That was one of the first statement wins for Auburn, him and Demarcus Riddick, who I don't have in the top five, but I will talk about later on. Those were statement wins for Hugh Freeze in year one. Those Cam Coleman, Perry Thompson, those guys were what got you this top ten class and they're going to be major contributors in year one. Hugh Freeze is depending on it. He did not go heavy in the transfer portal for wide receivers. He's depending on these guys to step up and to be major contributors in year one, and I expect them to. At number three, I've got Laquan Robinson, a little bit of an underrated name. He's a Juco signee safety. So he, you may have not heard this name as much, but I think he is someone who has the potential to start. Of course, you're losing a lot in the secondary. Zion Puckett, Jalen Simpson, DJ James, Nehemiah Pritchett. You've got a lot to replace. You've got a lot in there that you saw in the bowl game, younger guys in there that will have the chance to compete, to step into starting roles, but they're going to have to compete with someone like like Laquan Robinson, excuse me, that's going to come in there and compete. And I think this Auburn staff believes that he can start, if not start, contribute in a major way this year, he'll have two years of eligibility remaining. 
Ole Miss came in and pushed hard for him late. He had been committed to Auburn for a while. Auburn held on. Um, and, if, again, Ole Miss was pushing for him hard, was offering a lot of money, it seemed. And I believe he Laquan stuck with Auburn because of his because of the university and I think he fell in love with with um what Hugh Freeze's vision was for this program. But I say all that about Ole Miss to say they also believe that he was someone who could come in and play in year one and that's why I think they went after him hard. Auburn got a good one. I expect to see him on the field plenty this upcoming season. So I've got him at number three. At number four, I've got Jamonte Waller. He is also an early enrollee, 6'2", 225. Outside linebacker, edge player, was a flip from Florida, one of two major flips that Auburn made from Florida. Because of Auburn's need at the edge position, he's going to have a chance to make an immediate impact. Of course, you've got Jalen McLeod returning, but Elijah McAllister is out the door. Another position that Auburn is depending on freshmen to step up and play at. Receiver's one of them, edge is another. And I think Waller has the potential to be really good, has a He's, again, not the biggest as far as height goes, but he is very physically impressive with that size and his strength. Being an early enrollee in January, I can't over overemphasize the importance of that, being on campus early, being able to get into that offseason program with the returning players. It helps a lot team chemistry. It helps a lot to put you, getting you into SEC playing shape sooner than some of your uh, other signees that don't enroll until the summer. So looking forward to watching Wilder this upcoming season. The other Florida flip that I think is going to have a chance to have a big impact is Amaris Williams. Where he plays is still to be determined a little bit. He could be all the way out to an edge type of player. He could be a true five-tech defensive end, could play a little bit of the inside. He, he is a versatile defensive lineman. His recruitment was interesting because you really he came on the scene late. He's from North Carolina, the number one player in the state of North Carolina. He was committed to Florida, but Auburn just out of the blue kind of surged in his recruitment, ended up flipping him, and now he's going to have a chance to make a big difference along the defensive line. If you notice my rankings for the top five, and I'll continue it next week, you'll notice that it is receivers, one guy in secondary, and then two defensive linemen. One, there are two reasons for that. One, Auburn's best players in, in, in this class did come from receivers and the defensive line linebacker position. But number two, it's also the position that you had your, your greatest need, need for at. So that's another reason I think those guys could have a, have a big impact. Auburn, I, I thought, signed a really good offensive lineman in DeAndre Carter. I'll talk about him in later shows. But Auburn doesn't necessarily have a need for an immediate freshman there on the, along the offensive line. They brought in transfers and, and all that. They've got a lot returning there. So not necessarily a need. What Auburn brought in, they're depending on. And that is a philosophy that we'll, we'll, we'll talk more about a little bit later on. I don't have time for today. But depending on true freshmen, Auburn's going to be in the boat where they, they are going to need these, these freshmen to step up if they want to have a big season, a successful season next, next year. So it's a risk you run, but if you've got confidence in these guys, then, then you're willing to, to take that risk, and I think Hugh Freeze is. So that is the reason I think you see a lot of defensive linemen and receivers in that list. For one, they're good, but two, they're also going to have an opportunity just the way the roster is set up at 
the moment to contribute in big ways in year one. So that's my top five. We'll continue down the list next week, going six through ten of guys who I think can have a can contribute in a major way in year in year one. So as you start going down the list, it'll be less and less as far as contributions go. There are some other guys I debated putting in the top five. You can change the order a little bit if you wanted to put Waller up higher or Morris Williams up higher, but that's where I've got it for now as far as my top five goes. I'm looking forward to continuing this segment uh, going forward on the on shows to come in the following weeks. With that, let's take our final break, and when we return, we will shift gears back to basketball, and I'll preview this upcoming week and then we will get out of here. So thank you all for being tuned in. We'll be right back. Being entrusted with a parent's medical needs can be hard, but they need you, whether they realize. Auburn basketball is finally facing some adversity. They lost two games last week. So my question is, going into this week, how will they respond? I think they'll respond well. I'm looking forward to watching them play this week. They'll have their first opportunity to respond Wednesday night back at home against Vanderbilt. Vanderbilt is winless still in SEC play. They led, though, at halftime against Tennessee on Saturday before falling, I think, by 13 to the Vols. They're not a good team. They are a really bad team. Auburn beat them by 15 on the road, but that's not the mindset that Auburn needs to to come into this game with. They need to come into this game with thinking about themselves and thinking about how they can play the best Auburn basketball that they played so far this season. I know they're going to be motivated to to get a win and to play well. So that's what I want to see from this this team. Get back to playing Auburn basketball. Have fun. Go out there. Score 100 points if you can. Get after it. Play fast. Play loose. Play clean. But play Auburn basketball. The keys, yet again, for this, we talked about it the first time around, for Auburn, defend their guards. Magnon and uh, Tyron Lawrence, most importantly. Tyron Lawrence made some really tough shots first time around against Auburn. If he makes those again, hat tip to him, but try to make him do it consistently. Auburn's going to have the advantage in the paint. Janai Broom should have another big, big game. Stackhouse is a good coach, so you all, all so Bruce Pearl and his staff will have to make sure to to figure out what adjustments Vanderbilt's going to make in after the first after the first game compared to you know now. So from a coaching standpoint, Auburn will have to be on their toes there. But as far as talent goes. Auburn is a much better team talent-wise. They're back at home in Neville. It'll be a, it'll be a good environment. It won't be as good as some of the, you know bigger games, but it'll be a good environment. Students will be excited to have a opportunity to go to another home game. So take care of business on Wednesday. Get your mind back in the right place. Get back to playing well, and then get ready to head on the road again. Can you break that road streak? It's at Ole Miss. It, this Auburn team has to forget what happened the first time around. Don't let that game fool you. Ole Miss is still a good basketball team. They are a team that absolutely can beat Auburn. You think, well, how can a team that, that Auburn beat by over 20 points possibly beat them? It's different playing on the road. It is so different. It's so different for Ole Miss. They didn't play well at Auburn. Auburn had a lot to do with that. But Ole Miss is a team that went to Texas A&M this past Saturday and got the win on the road in College Station. Auburn played really well. They had their best shooting game of the season against Ole Miss. They shot 6 for 10 from 3 in the first half, as you remember, in that Ole Miss game. The key will be, again, defending their shooters. Uh, Murray shooting really well from 3 still. Their point guard, Alan Flanagan, 
is still playing at a high level. Auburn defended him perfectly in the first time around. Ole Miss's offense is a dependent, really, on isolation basketball. And that is what they like to do offensively, get you out of position a little bit, let their guys look for a mismatch, I mean, and let their guys go to work. Auburn was was very good defensively in that first matchup, and it did not cost them. So how will they respond on the road? Again, I, I think that we're overanalyzing it to a certain extent because Auburn lost two games on the road. But Auburn won by 30 at Arkansas. I understand Arkansas is not a good team this year. I get that. But it's not that Auburn cannot play on the road. They just didn't play well on the road this past week. I think that they will play well this weekend. I think they're going to go 2-0 and this week. I think they're going to get back locked in. Again, they're still in a decent position as far as SEC play goes. Not in a good of a spot as they could have been before if they at least split this past week. They still have an opportunity, though, to win the SEC. Um. If they, if they go 1-1 one one this week, we'll have to reassess depending on some other results as far as there's still an opportunity for them. But if they go 2-0 and this week, they'll, they'll be sitting sitting pretty. The schedule is tough. Right now, Ole Miss is a quad one game for, for Auburn when they go there on Saturday. So that would be another opportunity to improve their, their metrics a little bit to get that first quad one win. But they got to take care of business against Vanderbilt on Wednesday before going to Ole Miss. So I'm looking forward to seeing this team back in action to try to get back to playing Auburn basketball starting on Wednesday night first and then on Saturday at 5 o'clock, I believe the game is, on Saturday 8 o'clock Wednesday night against Vanderbilt at home. So looking at the rest of the SEC real quick before we get get out of here. Right now, Alabama and Tennessee are at the top of the league. Tennessee plays at home against South Carolina who is 17-3, actually, surprisingly. South Carolina playing really good basketball. They were picked to finish last in the SEC, but Lamont Paris has done an incredible job there. So Tennessee hosts them on Tuesday, and then Tennessee plays Kentucky on the road at Kentucky on Saturday. So good chance that Tennessee ends up with their second loss this week in conference play. So then everything is, is evened out. If you're Auburn, from an Auburn's uh, vantage point, if the Tigers are able to go undefeated this week and assuming Tennessee loses. And then as for Alabama, they play a tough one at Georgia on Wednesday night at 5.30. And then on Saturday, they play host to Mississippi State, who they, they beat already on the road, but it was a close one there. If you remember, Tennessee lost on the road at Mississippi State as well, so a couple of, of key matchups that could play a, a big role in SEC standings at the end of this week. Really looking forward to that Kentucky and Tennessee matchup on Saturday. The two of the best teams in the SEC, as we know, along with Alabama and Auburn. So that one's going to be a really fun game. You'll see that matchup twice: once in Lexington and once in Knoxville. So you'll get the first variation of that. I think Alabama's game at Georgia for them on Wednesday is going to be a dangerous one. Mike White's team playing really well. He's he they had a overtime game against Florida this past weekend. Florida won it, but they went to OT. Auburn will play all those teams in the in the coming weeks. So again, schedule is a little bit easier this week, but still not an easy week with still only having one home game and having to go back on the road. So not an easy week by any stretch, but it should be a more attainable week to go two and zero than last week was. Thank you all for tuning in to Talking Tumors today, whether you're listening live or listening on podcasts. A lot of basketball talk in there today, a little football talk. I hope you all 
enjoyed it. We'll keep it rolling next week. We'll talk about what this week holds as far as how Auburn basketball plays. Do they get back on track? We'll discuss it all next Monday. We'll continue the, the breakdown of the early signees for Auburn. And we'll also maybe have a defensive coordinator hired by this time next Monday. We'll all see, but thank you again for tuning in. We'll see you next time. Thank you for listening to Talking Tumors. Make sure to tune in again next Monday at 10 for another edition. Also, make sure to check out Weagle's 24-hour live stream on WeagleFM.com. And follow us on social media at Weagle underscore AU. War Eagle, and see you next time.